didn't announce it. We are making our way through 2 Corinthians, and we come now to chapter 8, in which Paul addresses the issue of the offering that he is collecting as he goes among the churches for the Jerusalem church. A famine had struck the area of Jerusalem, and Paul is encouraging Christians from churches far outside of Jerusalem to contribute to Uh, that offering for the relief of the saints there. So let us give our reverent attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, And in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. May God bless this, his word to us. Let us pray. Father, give us attentive minds and open hearts, vulnerable spirits, so that you can speak your word into them. Help us to listen. Help us by your spirit to understand. And help us by the power of your spirit to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. The desire and the ability to give is itself a gift from God. Paul calls it here the grace of giving. You probably noticed that word grace sprinkled throughout this passage. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. It is both what God gives and how he gives it that make it grace. He's under no obligation 
to grace our lives. He's under no obligation to give us anything. He is sovereign. That means not only that he is supreme, but also that he is independent, completely free to decide and act. He can't be compelled to do anything by us, his lesser creatures. God gives us life and everything necessary to sustain life because he wants to, not because he has to. It is by grace that we are saved. God's gift of his son to carry the burden of our sins, to die under their weight so that we who deserve death are freed to live now and forever. Grace from start to finish, God's free gift, his freely given, unearned favor is the source of our life. And so when Paul takes up this matter of the offering being collected for the relief of suffering Christians in Jerusalem, he cannot help but go to this word grace to describe what God has done through the Macedonians and what God intends to do through the Corinthians. When he writes, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, You would think that Paul is about to describe or explain the ways in which God's goodness is being experienced by those churches in that area called Macedonia, uh, today northern Greece. You would expect him to begin to speak about the gifts that God has given to the Macedonians. Instead, Paul refers to the gifts that God has given through them, through them to the Christians In Jerusalem. He speaks first not of what they gave, but of what they had been given. And what they had been given there in Macedonia is the gift of giving. God's grace to the Macedonians is the desire and the ability to give in this special offering that Paul is collecting in all the churches with whom he has to do. The act of giving is a gift. That comes through loud and clear in our text today. Paul tells the Corinthians to excel in the grace of giving. He emphasizes the grace of God that underlies and prompts and produces our own giving. And that's what I mean by saying giving itself is a gift. That grace concept has often been missing when we've talked about money around the church. When we've talked about giving to God's causes. In my many years of pastoring, I've preached many a stewardship sermon. I've taught uh, many a class on giving. I've participated in many a stewardship campaign. We've talked about giving to pay the bills, giving to meet our mission commitments, giving to do our fair share, giving to support this program or, or that project. We've talked of obligation, of sacrifice, of duty of commitment of sharing of supporting but very little of the grace of god that enables us and makes us want to give there's the motive there's the motivating power of giving god's grace in his first letter to them paul had much to say to the corinthians about the gifts of god he said that the spirit distributes gifts to every believer And that these gifts are to be used for the common good. 
That is for building up the community, for building up the church, the body of Christ. And now as he writes to them again, he calls their attention to their giftedness. And he says that they excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in sincerity, in the love that has been kindled in them. He says, see now that you excel in another grace, in another gift, the gift of giving. He's calling on them to add giving to their spiritual skill set, to reach for excellence in employing the gift of wanting to and being able to give to God's work in the world. And he uses the Macedonians as an example for the Corinthians to follow. He describes the grace of God to the Macedonians in this way. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, said Paul, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. A few things that are important to notice there. First, this was not a case of a happy, content, wealthy church deciding to send some of their money on to less fortunate brothers and sisters in Christ. The Macedonian Christians were undergoing a trial of their own. Paul calls it a very severe trial. We're not sure what it was, whether persecution from outside or disharmony within, whether economic or relational or spiritual or what, but they had trouble of their own that could have served as a good excuse, an adequate excuse for not giving. We probably would have waited until things settled down with us before participating in that offering. And also notice the contrast that there is there, is there in verse 2. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Now, we are such materialists that we can't imagine poverty and joy coexisting. We all think we would be happier if we were just a little bit richer. And we know that we would be way less happy if we were just a little bit poorer. But the Macedonians were both joyful and poor in the extreme. And Paul speaks of extremes in both cases. It is joy that overflows. Overflowing joy is that irrepressible, uncontainable joy that originates from within and bubbles out to the surface of the personality. And the word translated extreme in the phrase extreme poverty means below low, deep down, rock bottom, way below low. We might say dirt poor. Their own poverty could not suppress their joy in being given the gift of being able to give. In fact, overflowing joy and extreme poverty combined, it welled up, Paul said, in rich generosity. And notice, too, that they gave without being asked. In fact, Paul said they urgently 
pleaded with him for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So active was the grace of God in their lives that it sought an outlet and it became the motive for their giving. Paul didn't have to plead with them or persuade them to give or convince them of why they ought to give. In fact, just the opposite, they pleaded with Paul for the privilege of taking part in the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. I say to you that the Macedonians weren't normal. Normal people don't act like that. Normal people don't reach out of their own trouble to help other people in trouble. Normal people know that poverty and joy cancel each other out. They cannot coexist. Normal people don't beg for an opportunity to give some of their money away. There's no way to explain it apart from God's grace operating in their lives. It was God who gave them the grace, the gift of wanting to give. You see, we are not that way by nature. In our natural state, we are grasping, not giving. We seek to acquire and possess. We want to hold on to, to cling to whatever we get. Any parent knows that we come selfish out of the womb and we stay that way unless interrupted by some power outside ourself. Selfishness comes naturally to us. It's in our DNA. So it takes God to free us from that inherent selfishness of ours and turn us into givers. And thank God he does this. He he did it for the Macedonian churches. He gave them the grace to want to give. And he's done the same thing here at Nova Community Church. The people of Nova, have you noticed, give and give and then they give some more. I sometimes get nervous thinking about the giving that is going to be necessary if we are going to do everything we have scheduled. Uh, I confess this anxiety to the board at our meeting yesterday. Uh, We call this time of the year that we're coming up on the holiday season, but actually it's become among us here at Nova the giving season. Have you noticed that? I laid out for the board all the offerings and uh, special appeals that we're making these days. Uh, They really stretch back into the early summer months when we were encouraging each other to give so that high school kids could go to Hume Lake Camp, uh, to have the potential of this life-changing experience with Christ. And Nova people gave. And then there have been the ongoing appeals for feeding the hungry and for laundry love. And Nova people continue to give. And there was, you might remember, that food and supplies drive for Deborah House in Mexico. And Nova people gave. And a couple of MV experiences, one to Vietnam last August and another uh, coming up to India later this month. And Nova people gave. And shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child uh, sitting out on the plaza even as we speak, being collected today. And gifts for 
children and staff at the Klumadalu's home. And Nova gives. And in a week or two, we'll give the Joy to the World offering to provide gifts for our missionaries at Christmas time. And through all these special acts of giving, Nova people have continued and will continue to give regular, grace-filled gifts to the day-in, day-out mission and ministry of this church. And I say to you, it's a privilege to be part of this kind of church. It's a privilege to be a leader of your kind of people. Grace-filled givers, those who give to what God is doing in the lives of people so that his grace is extended to them. There seems to be no limit when God graces his people with the gift of giving. The Macedonians thought it was a gift that they were allowed to participate in that offering. They thought it was something that they got to do rather than something they had to do. It was a joyful privilege. It was not a burden. It was not a grudging obligation. And that spirit, that very same spirit of God, has captured most of the people here at Nova. And I say, if, if, you, if you haven't been captured by it, will you allow yourself to be captured by it? There's the stewardship sermon and appeal for you. That spirit can transform not only your giving, but your entire living. Looking at it as an opportunity to take part in the wonderful work of God, all that God is doing in the world through his church. You get to participate in good work, in God's work. What a privilege, what an honor. God is entrusting us to be his stewards, to be those jars of clay to carry his mercy, the ministry of reconciliation, his channels of blessing to the world, his hands, his feet, the church to bring the good news of Jesus to the world. That's a high honor. That's a high calling that God lets us in on. It is only God's grace that enables people to give what they're able to and then to give some more. Did you catch that in the text? They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How does that work? They gave as much as they could. That's remarkable. And they gave even more than they could. That's downright miraculous. Somehow God graciously multiplied their gift so that in the end they gave more than they started with. I think the more than they were able part has to do with them first giving themselves to the Lord. When you take all that you are and all that you have and give it, give yourself to God, there's no limit on what God can make of that gift. There's no limit to what God can do in you and through you to accomplish his purposes in your life and in the lives of people around. That is the extreme, radical, ultimate worship to which we are called to, in the words of Paul, give ourselves as living sacrifices. The key to excelling in the grace of giving 
is first of all giving yourself to God. And when God has you, God's got your money. It's not only the example of the Macedonian Christians to which Paul points, though, to encourage the Corinthians to excellence in giving. He points to Jesus. He says, in effect, act as Jesus acted. Jesus Christ is God's supreme gift. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus, the gift of God, precedes and produces and far surpasses all our giving. Apart from God's grace in giving Jesus Christ, there is no church, there is no salvation, there's nothing to share, there's nothing to talk about. But with that grace, the gift of our Savior, Jesus, there's everything to know, to live, to love, to talk about, to share, to give toward. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. God, in Jesus Christ, humbled himself for our sake. He became poor so that we might become rich. Jesus embarked on a humbling, self-giving, serving mission. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul wrote, that although he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So giving is all about grace. We experience God's grace because Jesus gave, and our own giving is motivated by that overflowing joy that comes from having been made rich by Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as so often is the case, we pray and we plead simply for more grace. We open ourselves to you, having experienced from your gracious hand everything necessary for life and salvation. And so we pray, Father, more grace, more grace, that we would give ourselves more and more to you and to your holy purposes in this world, for Jesus' sake. And let us stand for the benediction.